I recognized if I'm going to do this work, I got to work on myself. I got to start from the inside out. Hello, welcome to episode eight of the Dig New Streams podcast. My name is Dave Capozzi and I'm your host. This week on the podcast, we have the one and only Celeste the Therapist. First and foremost, Celeste is a dear friend of mine. We've been friends for around 10 years. We have been through a lot together. She's supported me through some new starts. I've supported her and we have just been through some highs and lows together. I'm just so grateful to call Celeste a friend of mine. Um, Also, Celeste is an author. She's written a book about relationship goals. She has come out with a guided journal called 365 Days of Intentional Living. She also has a self-guided masterclass on healing your inner child through her website, celestetherapist.com that I highly recommend. And also she has an amazing podcast of her own. So if you search on Spotify or Apple uh, iTunes, you can find Celeste the Therapist podcast, which is all about shifting the way you think with just amazing guests. She's at episode around 355. Definitely check that out. If you would like to stay in touch with this podcast, feel free to follow on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and TikTok at dignewstreams underscore podcast. Uh, With all that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Celeste, the therapist. All right, we can talk about podcasty things. So basically, I have known you now since the year... 2012-ish, correct? That's about 10 years. Yeah. And when we met, we were both working at the shelter in Brockton. Yeah. You were a bigwig. What does that that mean? (laughs) I'm kidding. I thought I was. You thought you were. (laughs) They they humbled me and demoted me really quick. (laughs) I was was disposable, Dave. Right. We all are. (laughs) So you, my memory is that we were, we like clicked pretty quickly because like, we did. you know, cause we're cool people. Yeah. Um, but like the, the guests loved you and for whatever reason that you know, <laughs> I know you've shared a bunch of times in your own story, but you got demoted I did, and ended up in the Quincy shelter. Yep. Right. Which is where I originally started. I started there in 03. Right, right, right. And that's yeah. where you met Jonathan. That's where I met my husband. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We were working together. Right. So you got demoted backward, back to where you started, (laughs) but in a different different capacity. Yeah. Not just back to where I started, but like the people, the, I was a supervisor for case managers. They brought me down to a super, to a case manager. Right. Yeah. Incredible. How long was it after that happened that you started to do like started on the path that you're on now? Yeah. Yeah, good question. Uh, so, you know, uh, I started at the shelter. I needed a job, fell in love with the population, super passionate about the population um, to this day. Right. Uh, and uh, I realized like I enjoy talking to people and people enjoy talking to me and um, got my master's in uh, counseling, but didn't go for my license because 
I'm a big wig at the shelter. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you had it. Wait, I so thought you... I made it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got my master's. I'm work. I've been at this facility. I love it. Um, uh, but you know, uh, I joke around, joke around a lot about the demotion, but I'm grateful for it, uh, because I was very, uh, stagnant in my growth. Hmm. Uh, I did, I did not ever imagine. I admire people who'd be like, yeah, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Cause I just felt like I was where I needed to be. I, I didn't see myself going anywhere else right. um, in my career um, because I'm with people that I enjoy working with. Um, and so after the demotion, I was like salty for a day. <laughs> the next day I said, oh, wow, Celeste, you're disposable. You need to create your own. Uh, so that was like the first time the, the, the mindset of creating my own got into my, my, my spirit was when the demotion happened. The day after the day after. Yeah. I said, so then that's when I started studying for my test and, um, you know, little by little, uh, little seeds was planted, um, in my spirit and, uh, and eventually like I'm here, <laughs> Celeste <laughs> therapist, never, no, you could not have told. Cause even when Dave was, we, we were working together, um, and I had just, uh, adopt, took in my cousin who's, who's autistic. And I got passionate about working with parents who have children, uh, on the spectrum and yep. i remember dave like helping me like plan this thing out that i was trying to do like at any kind of venture i've been on i would go to dave like hey what do you think about this blah blah blah. he's you've literally been a, a part of every i i don't want to say crazy idea because they were all good right they all led uh, to this yes yes yeah every idea i had uh but <laughs> but well, yeah that's how i mean likewise a different though for me i would say well, yeah, because when I was talking about planting the church, you were the first person that I kind of went to because I was checking out your new office mm -hmm. as Celeste, the therapist. I was like, oh, my God, I, you asked what I was doing. You're like, OK, let's do it. <laughs> so not only were you, have you been with me for that, but you're the reason I'm doing this right now. Like you, <laughs> you and a couple other people encouraged me to do a podcast, get back out there. And you've also been with me. I guess the same is true. It's like these new starts that are accompanied by really difficult times, right? Yes. Yeah. So you were with me through the resignation at the mm -hmm. church. You were with mm -hmm. me through lots of really painful things mm -hmm. and have been a con like very steady. Mm -hmm. And I, that that's one of the things I always admire about you that I always talk to people about around you is not only like you're an entrepreneur who can do anything that you put your mind to, but also that you don't, you don't ride highs and lows in a way that I have, <laughs> like, ah, okay. like you stay through the storms in a way that I really admire. And that's one of the things I feel like in the helping professions, a lot of us, yeah, uh, whether it's pastors, therapists, social workers, you name it, get really outward focused. It's about mm -hmm. the people. It's like, mm -hmm. when are we going to get them to see that they need to do this? Mm -hmm. And it's always that rather than what are my needs? What do I need to pay attention to? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I notice a lot with your podcast, which you've had like three, you're on like episode 350 something, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is incredible. And your books and anything else, you're always talking about your own um, self-care. Mm -hmm. Do you mind talking a little bit about that and how that's been yeah. so important to you, how it's changed maybe, maybe over the years? Yeah. Uh, so when I, you know, I, I said, I fell into the shelter cause I needed a job. And, um, I remember I would go home at night and I would cry. I would write 
because I would feel so much compassion for these people. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, um, if I'm going to do this work, because I, I did try to like run away from it. Um, but this is where like I was feeling called to be is to work with people. Um, I recognized if I'm going to do this work, I got to work on myself. Mm. I got to start from the inside out. Um, so my, my mindset around self-care, I, I don't think I call, I never called it self-care. I never thought about it that deeply, but definitely, um, experiencing the pain that I would feel from helping people led me to understand that I, I needed to take care of myself first. Yeah. Um, and I, and I know that people that are, you know, we all have different gifts. There's some people that are great pianists. Um, basketball players, financial uh, literacy people, um, but they don't do that all day. Their their mind is not basketball, basketball, basketball all the time or piano, right? right. So like, but obviously with the work that, that I do, um, I have to be the person to create boundaries and recognize when um, I need to care for myself. If somebody's ba shooting basketballs all day, they're going to get cramps. So they know <laughs> when to stop. Yeah. Right. Um, so oh, my self-care, so yeah, my self-care is really, um, it, it's, it's really started to take off, uh, tremendously when I went into private practice. Um, I went from working in nonprofit, having coworkers to hang out with, to being in this office by myself, listening to people over and over again. Mm. Um, and, and I, I recognized that like, I needed to really like lean into stillness because I was going to be on this journey of entrepreneurship. And also I needed to make sure that I am well so that I can continue to do work um, with other people. Yeah. So what does that, what does that look like for you? And we were talking a little bit ago about you went for a hike this morning. Like what are some mm -hmm. of the ways that you are staying on top of that for yourself? So, so hiking is, is like really big. Um, I, I just recently got into boxing. Mm. Um, I've always recognized moving my body is really helpful for me. Um, listening to things first thing in the morning is helpful. There are there's most times where I don't want to get up, but I press play. Um, one of my favorite people is Les Brown. He's a motivational speaker. Mm. Um, or I'll, I'll type in motivation on YouTube and I just listen to it. So like the negative thought, that's like, do you really want to get up? Then I'm listening to this motivational video that's like, get up, start your day, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, shoot, let me get okay. up. Okay. Um, okay. So up. like that food is, is important to me now. I didn't grow up yes. understanding about how food plays a role in our wellness. Um, so moving my body, sleep, um, listening to things, reading things. Uh, I always like to name off these free things that I do because I never want people to think access it, um, financial access is the reason why they can't be okay. Yes. You got to start where you are and use what you can. And uh, now I'm able to afford a gym, but years ago when I started on this like wellness, full wellness, right? I don't want to just do the work and, and talk the talk. I really want to walk the walk yeah. and not just like have my mindset shifting, but also I want to work on my body because this mm. is the only body I have. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I would go on YouTube and work out in my living room when the kids went to sleep. Yeah. Um, so like, I've always been somebody that used what I had and started where I was. I yeah. don't overthink things. That's so good. I, and I know that parents that may be listening know how tired they are once the kids go to bed. 
it's one of those things that our mutual friend Uli used to say to me when my daughter was young and I was like, I just don't have time to go to the gym. He's like, no, no, no. You make time. What do you do from, what do you do at five o'clock in the morning? I'm like, I sleep, you know, but he's like, if you, if it matters to you, you make time for it. It's true. It's a sacrifice to wake up in the morning. Um, but you're going to pay for, like you can sacrifice. Yeah. Sleep feels good. It's not like sleeping extra doesn't feel good, but you pay for it down the road when you you're, you know what I mean? So it's really, he's absolutely right. Like we make time for what matters. And a lot of times when we look at what we're doing with our time, we don't matter to ourselves because yes. we're not really um, doing work within ourselves. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of what we, I follow pretty much everything you post on every platform. So recently you said something about what you do when you first wake up and you were talking about like if you just pick up your phone and scroll and looking through social media I think that is a major that has plays a major role in our mental health the way we start our day yes and so when you're list like when you're waking up in the morning that looks like list like you what do you do you you have it all set up Yeah. yeah like so for today um I got up, um, I actually listened to some music um, this morning. Nice. Um, the sun was shining. And because I've been doing this wellness thing for so long, my my body's like, I want to go hiking, right? Mm. Like, I just kind of was like ready. I got my water, I got my headphones and I went out. Nice. Um, I look at it as my medicine, um, the same mm. way people work when they don't feel like going to work, but they know they have to pay their bills. I look at living life, doing things that I don't feel like because of what I want to do. I want to live yeah. life and not survive life. Oh, that's really helpful and very challenging. It's <laughs> very challenging. Yeah. It's challenging in a way that you, when hearing it, you're like, yeah, that's true. I should do that. But we know how much comes through our lives and how much we're responding to life rather yeah. than what it sounds like you're talking about is not having to respond all the time, but to like proactively know know what's coming and be able to to then respond in a way that you feel healthier addressing yeah and you you know it's not it's not by accident that these platforms the internet um created a way for us to stay on there's this book called stolen focus by johanna hari Mm. um i love johan hari i love i'm trying to get him on my podcast man (laughs) <laughs> um lost connections was the first book for anybody uh yes. lost connections is a really good book chasing and, the scream um, too yeah and yeah. then uh he just came out last month with a book called stolen focus okay and um he was on a quest to really understand why everyone's on their phones and why are we operating the way we do and mm. He was able to take a sabbatical for three months with no phones and, and things like that. But he understands everybody doesn't have access. And he talked to these big wigs and the companies and uh, they talked about their goal was to figure out how to keep us on. Yes. And so in one sense, I feel like there's a responsibility uh, for systems to create ways um, for us to understand what they're doing the same way, like lead paint. He mentioned lead paint at one point was always in people's houses now. Right people like they've gotten rid of it um and so he also talked about part of our responsibility is to put measures in place i have screen time on my phone right so if i'm on social media longer than 15 minutes i have to click a button to continue um to watch what i'm watching yeah after the second time i'm like oh no it's been 30 minutes yeah right so that intentional pause 
that comes into play alerts me that, oh, snap, look at what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and a lot of times we don't do that. We just mindlessly do things and not recognize what's happening. We don't even put measures in place. Um, I have screen time on, um, on the internet. Uh, so I, now when I'm on it, it, it doesn't bring me joy. It's like, I feel like I waste time unless I'm doing research or something. I have a Kindle app on my phone to read. Uh, So I put a lot of things in place because there's so much energy in the world that wants us to spend money, wants us to feel like we're not enough Um, in a capitalistic country. And so because we know this, it's like, why would I not be intentional about my time? Because there's so much energies that's pushing me in a different direction. And if I'm not intentional, I'll succumb and I will be in alignment with society. And that's just not what I want for my life. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. It makes me think about how, what we see when we're on social media. So whether you, whether you spend your time on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it doesn't matter. What you get on your feed is the most extreme emotions. So you'll, right now, what we'll get is we'll get the Ukrainian war with Russia, or we'll get the Supreme Court justice being um, first black woman being um, now she got through on the Supreme Court, you'll get um, those big things. So those are divisive, big emotions. And then you'll get baby announcements, weddings, engagements, uh, birthdays, you have the widest end of the spectrum from one post to the next. If I'm scrolling my TikTok feed, it's holy shit, the world's at war. We might all be at war. And then, oh my God, my friend got, you know, engaged. And how we're supposed to switch in our brains from one of those to the next, we can't, I don't think we can quantify what that's doing to us in terms of our mental health. So to put, you're saying to put those sort of, um, I I don't know, maybe speed bumps in place so that you're like, oh, wait, hold on. I can think now a little a bit about how much yeah. time I'm spending in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's important. Uh, it's it's really important. And you know, we're we're over eighteen. No one's coming to save us. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, right. Yeah, no one's coming to save you. So um, I think that uh, a a big part of like really living intentionally is writing out what you're trying to live for. What are you trying yeah. to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Some, some of us just going in circles. Yeah. Don't even, we, we want more, but we don't know what that looks like. We don't even challenge. We don't continue to question. Right. So we got to continue to question and challenge ourselves um, and, and work on things when we don't feel like it, mm. but we got to have that goal in front of us. Yes. And that goal is in front of us. Like we can do things beyond what we feel like because we are, trying to reach that goal. Yeah. Questioning everything really is a very helpful standard. You also mentioned um, what our society does to us in terms of shame, maybe judgment, um, the way that we internalize views about ourselves. And depending on the way you grow up, what group you're a part of, that's a different thing for every person, right? Yeah. But almost across the board, shame comes into play. And I feel like your role as a therapist is to just sort of normalize just who a person is. You're just giving someone the perspective that when they're reflecting something to you, you're reflecting back like, okay, you're Mm -hmm. not, you're not necessarily thinking of them the way they see themselves, which is often like, 
I'm just this horrible thing, you know, how how much of your time is spent? And this is my experience in therapy personally. (laughs) So I'm wondering, not as a therapist myself, how much of your time is spent just helping someone see themselves as not horrible? It's the majority of the time, you know, I think once people recognize okay, that. Okay, I'm not alone in that. That's good to know. Uh, and, you know, people will be like, how do you work with adults? And um, adults was once babies, right? And, yeah. you know, babies fall, they get up, you know, then life happens, we get boxed in. Uh, so I have so much compassion for people that are boxing themselves in yeah. and not realizing they can actually release the walls. Um, yeah. and, and, and so you know, what I offer for people is normalizing who they are, mm. right? Because we're all different. Our society tries to cast us and put us into this box, heterosexual, marry, have a kid, have a car, yeah. have a job, right? Like they yeah. have these categories. And, you know, when we worked at the shelter, I remember when we were going to the woods or when people would yeah. um, get housing, I would get happy for them. And, you know, because people had good relationships with me, some people would be like, I'm not happy about this. I'm going to miss community or some people who choose to be outside. That was like my first time understanding that. Wow. Like what people want looks different across the board. And it's okay if that's what they want to do, as long as they're not harming anybody. Um, So yeah, that's, that's pretty much, um, you know, a lot of my time is spent normalizing, but once people are able to normalize who they are and realize like normal is just a dial on the washing machine, uh, their <laughs> life starts to look different, honestly. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. It's interesting that you bring up the people getting into housing, because we started to find that people who would get into housing not long after, many would either die. have a relapse or die. Yep. And th- that loss of community is something people in a lot of the sort of being disconnected from what people yeah. experience or just like, what well, shouldn't you be happy to be in housing, right. you know? Right. Uh, and so all, we receive so much of other people's projections. Yes. Not only do we receive it as like, uh, you know, this, this is the way the normal is. We internalize other people's projections as true for us. Yes. I know that's true for me. Most of my life, I didn't allow myself to see my own needs and, and, you know, you're an example of someone that I've always looked to that has been aware of your needs and how you lean into them, rather than accepting the projections of culture or, or anyone else. Mm-hmm. What are some things people can do, you know, if they're not maybe ready to, hey, I'm going to get a therapist, I'm going to, what can someone do to start to focus on their own needs before, you know, having I don't know. I do encourage people to get therapists and, and seek help, but if they don't feel comfortable doing that, how can someone start to focus on those things? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Listen to this podcast. Gonna be, be storytelling. Uh, so that's huge. You know, podcasting, listening is free. Um, yeah. if for people, uh, um, in my office space, I have a feelings chart behind me. Yes. Um, I believe that we should understand our emotions the way we understand our ABCs. And so for people that are not on that ready to like talk to someone or, or may not even have the means, maybe you do want to talk to someone, but not have the means, uh, start tapping into what you are feeling, right? Mm. Um, if you grab a feelings chart, look at it, see what resonates for you, especially when you're struggling. Uh, and, and, and to say like, I feel blah, 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 and not I am blah, blah, blah. So the feelings chart 
uh, could be super helpful. And let's say you don't have words. You don't, you're like, I don't know if I, what do I feel? Start paying attention to what your body is doing. Yeah. Our body gives us signs before sometimes logic kicks in yes. for me when my back is, is hurting. If I feel a lot of pressure, I know I'm overwhelmed. I know I'm struggling. Sometimes my stomach turns when I'm anxious hmm. or when I'm feeling anxious. And so like pay attention to what your body responds to. A lot of us have had so many unmet needs because our bodies are amazing. It does give us signs, but if those signs was always ignored, um, you learn not to uh, listen to them. Now that we're over 18, no one's coming to save us. Yeah. We can work on like saving ourselves and working on just paying attention to what's happening within our body. I feel like that's a really great start. Yeah. And I love that you provide uh, resources for people, you know, whether they're in therapy or not, you mentioned on your podcast that you do, you have a course for people to heal their inner child in your book, 365 days of intentional living is just a prompt for you to think about something. It has a feelings chart in there. You write, you know, to start your day or to end your day, depending on whatever works for you. You know, all, any there's any number of tools that are available to us. The issue, I think, is that life is so busy. Whether, you know, everyone I talk to says it. So if someone's 25 and they're single and they're living at home or they're, you know, just someone I, someone I might work with is saying their life is busy, you know, everyone's saying it. Mm -hmm. And so it, 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 it's our responsibility to sort of take that back, right? And to structure our lives in a way. I like the idea that you're, you're over 18. No one's going to come to save you. It's just the way it is. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not trying to be mean. Right. And I no. do understand that. Um, I do want to preface it by saying that uh, there's a lot of people that have been victims in life. I've yeah. been a victim in life. Yeah. Um, and so it's important to recognize the lens that you're looking at your life under. Yeah. Sometimes we're looking at it from a victim standpoint because that's what has happened. Um, but a lot of times in the moment, if we look at what's going on in the moment, the thing that's stopping us is, is that we're living in the past and we're not in the present. Um, and it's hard to move forward if you are living in the past. And so like, what is your fault is different from your responsibility, mm. right? Um, Sean Marshall, who was on here, um, talked about in his book, um, he made it, he said, you know, if, a, if a, um, the limo driver like hits you and, um, and he happens to get out to make sure you get to the hospital. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. What happens if that limo driver keeps driving? Do you stay in the street? Mm. And so I think about so many people with busy lives and with so much pain that they're holding on to, because if you don't release it and reconcile with it, you're holding on to it right. in different pockets of your system. And you're sitting in the street waiting for somebody to save you um, because it wasn't your fault. You got hit by that limo driver. Right. Uh, so it's really important to mm. like grieve, right? Cause it's grieving to recognize like what, ha what happened or what didn't happen or what somebody did to you. Yeah. We're going to grieve about it, but we've got to work on reconciliation. I feel like when we reconcile, like we can actually work on, uh, doing the things that we say we want to do yeah. despite how busy we are. I feel like the using the word busy or saying I can't find time is a cop out yeah. um, because we all have 24 hours. It's about creating time. And I, you know, I would prefer to sleep in, but I prefer <laughs> to be well as well. Right. Yeah. So especially as we get older, right? Because especially as we get older. Yeah. Because 
we don't pay attention to that before our frontal lobes are fully developed. We think we're invincible. And then as the further we go on, and actually I've learned recently that the happiest times of your life are near the beginning and near the end. That like there's this U curve that at the end of people's lives, they actually are expressing that they're more happy than they've ever been. They've released the rat race. They've come to grips with life. Uh, The rat race. Yeah. Like, but okay. And imagine if we can do that, like, or in the youth phase right yeah in the at the at this curve because yeah. when you and i are well i'm in middle age you're a little younger than me but you know <laughs> at, you know it's it's one of those things that if we can embrace this and stop fearing aging you know because it is a beautiful thing and it's a it is an, an inevitability we all do it mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah. i think perspective becomes the key to everything <laughs> It is how do you look at the situation that you're in? And unfortunately, you know, like myself, you go through things and you've got, you've built up so much in life. And then all of a sudden, if you end up in, in a difficulty or you have a burnout or something hits you so many, there's a ripple effect is huge, you know, and that's why it's so important to sort of pay attention to these things when we can, when we're younger. Uh, and to get to that work, you know, I think about, you know, my father today is his birthday. He, he died around eight years ago. And I think about what he wasn't able to give himself mm-hmm. because he just did what the boomer generation did. It's just, you go to work, you provide for your family, you do it mm-hmm. this way and you just keep going. And he mm-hmm. died very much feeling that, but maybe not being able to express it. Yeah. And we now have so many resources that I think it feels like a flood. And I love that you're just saying it's actually not, you don't have to listen to a million different things. It, it can be a little more simple. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We, we, we complicate. I feel like we complicate life. Um, life <laughs> is hard, right? Yes. There's, there's a lot of pain in life. Um, but the way we live life can actually be very simple. I, I have a really basic simple life. I, I, Mm. I used to post on my uh, personal social media a lot. Uh, someone had messaged me one time and said, wow, your life looks so perfect. And it really turned, it turned me off a lot because my life is not perfect. Yeah. I go through the same ups and downs the trials and tribulations that other people go through, but it's the way that I live life. I'm able to tap into those resources that allows me to be okay quicker than most yeah uh, because it's like innate when we're hungry we go to the refrigerator and eat we don't need anybody to tell us because our stomach starts growling yes um and Ooh. i don't say today i'm not gonna go eat today because i ate tomorrow right and so when i think about all the things that i do I, it does it's a non-stop thing but now yeah. it just happens effortlessly and it's very impulsive of of me living life and not surviving because now my entire system it's just really used to living that way. I love that. It's just more intuitive. Yeah. You're not, it's not, a. I, I love all your analogies that it's, you know, it makes it so much easier to think about that way. I think about my kids and raising them with this kind of knowledge. And today, you know, we went to visit my father's grave and my daughter, my daughter looked at me and she asked, are you sad? And it's like, yeah. And I asked her, is she sad? And oftentimes, you know, cause I, I work with teenagers. I'm a, I'm a teacher. So I hear people say to them, it's okay to be sad, or it's okay to be this or that. I would love it if we could move beyond telling someone that their emotions are okay, and that they just know it. 
I didn't have to tell my daughter, it's okay that you're sad. Yeah, of course you're sad, <laughs> you know? And giving someone permission is important at the beginning because some sometimes we don't feel the permission right. to feel a certain way, especially helpers. Um, well, and if you grew up in a system where you, you know, if you were crying, it wasn't embraced because you weren't bleeding. Mm. Um, I think sometimes our caregivers um, struggle with providing emotional support for us because they didn't have it for themselves or yes. they just never were taught. Uh, so many people have talked about, you know, having clothes and food and stuff, um, but there was something missing and that something missing was that emotional support. Yeah. So being able to, you know, we embrace happiness, we embrace joy, but pain we run away from. Yeah. And it's like pain is a part of life. And so it's beautiful that like our kids are able to experience pain and we can be there to help them through those humps and not um, kind of um, uh, belittle the emotion that they're feeling just because we can't see what's happening. Yes. Really important thing for parents to understand and do. Yeah. Cause we're not, there's no way we can be there for them if we're stressed out. I know that when I've gone through hard times, I'm shorter with my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to be. Me too. Me right? too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the other thing you talked about was um, this comparison game that we do mm-hmm. uh, where someone says, wow, your life looks perfect. Uh, the system that we, we need to, you know, I love your focus as a therapist is such that you're working with an individual and working through their needs. And you also, through your podcast and through other messaging and through, I'm sure your therapy, but I'm not sitting in with your appointments are talking about how certain societal, cultural, familial things infect and affect how we act and think. Yeah. So because we live in an ultra individualistic, you know, ultra competitive culture, mm-hmm. we internalize that. And we look at Celeste and we're like, oh my God, I'll never be that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've lost that sense of, of, uh, unif like sort of unity and you, my sort of, my betterment is tied up with, is tied up with yours. Right. You know, right. and it's a picture. That's the sad part. It's like, yeah. and my clients laugh when I like, cause I could be very, um, comedic, uh, when we're talking about hard things, uh, yeah. just to lighten it up. Cause this is sometimes the first time people are even talking about their thoughts out loud. So it can be like, I know how hard that can be for people. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the pressures that we, we put it on ourselves and I don't like to, to shame social media because I'm learning about gardening through social media, yes. cooking, right? Like it's, I'm learning so much through these channels, but there's, again, there's time limits. Um, but it's really for people that struggle with, uh, the comparison thing. And that's one thing I can honestly say that probably allowed me to continue to go. Cause I've never felt that way. I, I feel like I've always been in my own world. <laughs> uh, so I have compassion for people that do go through that, but you know, when that happens, you got to like cut it off. When I was struggling with infertility, mm. um, I felt like, so when you're struggling with something, you see more of it. So I would see more baby announcements. Um, right. Because it's the thing I don't have. Yes. Um, and so what I did was I took myself off of social media, right. Because it, it was something I recognized that was hard for me. So like we're human. So sometimes there may be somebody's life that may be hard for you to see, especially if you're struggling in that area, it's okay to not follow or to mute them. And, 
Um, but don't keep looking and, and, and finding yourself struggling. Like it's going to happen We're we're going to feel jealous. We're going to feel shame. We're going to feel like yeah. all of these emotions. We got to understand that we're going to go through them. Right. But yeah, it's I, what we do, you know, I really appreciate that. You mentioned that you cut it off as someone who is socially conscious, the way you are, you, it matters to you what happens in the world and that people like injustice matters to you. People's, yeah. you know, and it can feel like in our culture, if you're not tapped in through social media, that somehow, out. yeah, you're missing out <laughs> or you're bad because of whatever. Yeah. And that's another, that's another one of those sort of sick messages that we in, internalize. Yeah. yeah. That you can actually be a decent human being without being on social media all the time. Yeah, you can. It's important. We don't have to go with the trends of, yeah. of life. Um, and if we think about the trends of life, look at life, life is chaotic, all the more reason for you to really look at your life, look at what you need, look at what you're struggling with. There's been people who have taken like social media breaks and they've just had so much less anxiety <laughs> and then that, yeah, or they <laughs> forgot their phone. They were out and, um, vacation they forgot their phone and they would say man that was the best day I got to see so much yeah uh so it's kind of like imagine if we forgot our phone intentionally imagine if we you know got off of uh the internet more often yeah the the book stolen focus I love it so much but um yeah they talk about like even with face Facebook's didn't start off the way it is where it's continuous feed or one thing leading to the other, the goal is to keep you on. Yeah. Anytime I'm talking about my plants or watering it, I get this feet, get something in my feet about it. Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, wow, look at the programming happening. But yeah. that was a programming that I'm into. I can see it. And it's something that I'm really, that I really want to do. And it brings me joy. Um, but imagine the other things that you may be struggling with that's in your feed and it's bringing you so much pain, but you yeah. are opening your phone to, tap into more pain well know? because pain there's something about pain that draws us in too you know i can say from my experience of suffering from depression there was a part of me that longed for the pain mm-hmm. you know that that would be up at two o'clock in the morning and be like oh i hate this but i love it at the same time mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know there's something addictive about pain yeah <laughs> which is as someone who's got a full sleeve tattoo you know that there's like <laughs> something we keep going back for when we get tattooed <laughs> there's there is something about pain you know and I, it does release something a chemical in our brain right and it does yeah there's something and, about it. and it's something that if your system is used to pain you're going to gravitate towards yeah it. um Someone, I've I seen somebody on a post said, uh, when you have been so used to having a chaos in your life, yeah. having peace feels hard, yes. right? And so we talk a lot about peace and wellness and, you know, in my practice and in my, whatever I post, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that like, you know, it's hard to be intentional. It's hard to create peace when you want to run to chaos. So many times when I'm working with people and uh, they get to a certain place and there's no chaos and they don't feel right. They feel uncomfortable. And they, wow. and, and I, I tell them, it looks like you're trying to create some, they was like, wow. Like they, they start to see it clear. Like they start to le- try to lean into it or create some type of thing where they have to be needed um, because your system. Right. And so wow. I'm, I'm really big on systems and it's so hard. If you don't have a circle, if you don't have, you know, I have people like Dave in my life, you know, and um, I, my heart goes out to people that don't have an actual person 
that they can talk to um, and um, they're, they're with these messages, right? That's why I'm like, mm. there's like YouTube, there's podcasting, there's music, there's writing. Uh, so, you know, there's sometimes where people really don't have community and it may be hard to tap into it. And so definitely start with you and, and tapping into your thoughts. Um, like that's really like important for me to, to, for people to know they're not alone. Um, but yeah. I know you can feel alone, um, especially with the, the messaging that takes place um, in, in our lives. Especially now where so much of the communication that we do as people is this way, is, yeah. is it's online. So you lose the human connection yeah. thing that's so vital yeah. for human survival. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So true. Okay. Great point. Why, thank you, Celeste. <laughs> All right. What do you got going on? That's new. You've mentioned the garden thing. I know you got that, um, that you're working on gardening and learning all that. Yeah. What's coming up for Celeste, the therapist. Yeah, just gardening. Um, I'm working on a live show. Hmm. Not, I mean, nothing, nothing else. Still podcasting yeah. uh, with like amazing people. Um, but nothing else that I could think of. <laughs> well, the podcast is always new. How often do you release your podcast? Oh, once a week. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's, you can always count on it being like really insightful. You have the widest range of guests. I know. <laughs> I, I like the bipolar rabbi. Right. And then I'll have a preacher on a sex therapist on like, it's amazing. Um, so, you know, because and now that you're saying this, as I'm thinking about it, it's, it's essentially like the idea of like, we're all different, right? We come from yes. different backgrounds and somebody's story can resonate. And I use the podcast and I um, kind of interject in people's stories to create a teaching moment for my audience yeah, uh, so that people can uh, kind of know that like healing reconciliation is available uh, to us all. And it's a, it could be a hard road. Um, but if that's what you want, then like, I really want people to have that. Yeah. I love that. I mean, we, we didn't cover like 98% of what I would want to talk about with you, but oh. if, if, well, you, maybe part two, we well, can part do what two, you want. <laughs> part two, but also for anyone that's listening, you can get so much more of Celeste, like from the podcast, there's, <laughs> you are just constantly offering stuff that I think Thank is you. so valuable to me, not just through that. I mean, your friendship, obviously, but I was going to say, <laughs> I'm saying for, for the podcasting world, I, this, it's rad. So the people that know me as Celeste, like I love, I love everyone, but I just love people that just know Celeste and not yeah. Celeste the therapist. So yes. Dave's that person. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Uh, you can find new episodes every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube. And you can also check out many episodes that I have every Thursday at 7 a.m. Uh, that are new streams of thought based on the conversation I've had on the podcast that week. Until next time, love yourselves well, my friends. Peace. <laughs>